Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine Thursday evening as we get ready to, to uh, continue our NFL team previews? Oh, you know, just living the dream. That's my line, Ooh. you dick. Uh, I, I'm just trying to, to exist at the point. That's kind of where I'm at. Just existing. Real philosophical Ex- take from Skyler. Um, so we- <laughs> <laughs> he paid all that money for a degree just to have that. Anyway, so we have a, a great episode. We talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, how we thought they were going to do next season. All of us agreed very much still a work in progress. But now we're going to boogie on over to the NFC North, where we're going to be talking about the quintessential work in progress, the Detroit Lions. Um before we, well, no, let's just hop into it here. Um, Detroit started with a, what normally would be considered an all-time bad start to the season if it wasn't for the fact that Detroit's already gone 0-16 in recent memory, but started the year out 0-8. That included some blowout losses, like the one to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 8, as well as some very uh, close losses. Two-point loss to the Ravens, two-point loss to the Vikings, eight-point loss to the Uh, San Francisco 49ers. They came out of their uh, week nine by week 0 and 8, where they tied the Pittsburgh Steelers to make sure that they weren't at least going to have a completely losing season. They followed them to lose the next two games before finishing the season three and three with wins against Minnesota, Arizona, and Green Bay in the season finale. So three, 13, and one. We take a look at uh, Jared Goff, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 67% completion rating, 3,200 yards. Um, they had some great performances from some role-playing guys. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both had over 600 yards rushing. Um, DeAndre Swift also had uh, 452 yards receiving, so had 1,000 yards on the season. Um, great production out of second-year player Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, 90 catches, 912 yards, five touchdowns. Had some solid production out of guys like Khalif Raymond, TJ Hawkinson, um, and others, and lots of key pieces on defense that we also thought played pretty well. So looking back on Detroit last season, uh, Mitch, what, what were your thoughts on the Lions in 2021? Um, I don't think anything that was surprising. Uh, we obviously knew they weren't going to win a lot of games. Um, and I think a majority of people felt like the MCDC was the right coach. And I think we saw that, that the players very much bought into – what he was preaching um and you saw the progress as the season continued um so i definitely think last season obviously it didn't show in the wins but i think it was pretty much a good step in the right direction um i mean i'll say i'll say surprising in terms of um not like outcome of the season or like uh, where they are, but the, the teams that they performed well against, uh, like how well they performed against some quality teams, some playoff teams, um, the, the the tie against the Steelers, which I think all of us thought going into that matchup that the Lions were better than the Steelers. It was just that the, that the, the Steelers had just kind of, like they had made fewer mistakes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of the same quarterback on both sides. One was just young and healthy, and the other one was, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Um uh the the thing but i'll say like some like you get wins against uh arizona who at that point hadn't lost yet that season 
um, during the season. You get the, that last win against Green Bay, and uh, that no, was Arizona had lost by then in the season. They beat they beat Arizona in Week 15. Oh, okay. Sorry, I no. thought that, that I I just remember them beating Arizona and going. <laughs> um, but like beating Arizona, yeah. who's who was a playoff team and was con- was contending for the number one seed at that point, mm-hmm. um, beating beating uh, Green Bay and that well, that was in Detroit though that wasn't in Green Bay was it? Oh uh, yeah, that was last week of the season in Detroit when Green Bay sat like everybody in their brother. Yeah, like still like the fact that you guys are able to play that well, we saw like in the opening the opening uh, week of the season that they had Chicago on the ropes um, and could have beaten them if it wasn't for a uh, lucky uh, like. A, a good ass pass by Mitchell Trubisky, um, which you know or not? No, that was that was 2020. Fuck. Uh wow. My my every all the seasons are are screwed are um, blending together. together. Yeah, blending together. All the mixing together. Like the Lions performed well, and they have uh, under this head coach, and I think that the we're seeing that part of like where the culture is starting to take over um, where he's trying to get his guys in place. I think that there's still some moves that the lions need to make, but all in all, it wasn't a surprising season, but I don't, I don't think I can label it as a disappointment for the Detroit lions. No, I'd, I'd completely agree with you. Listen, there were times where <laughs> Detroit had, had three different modes. They were in this entire season. Number one, they looked like a team that was one piece away from from really being at least a 500 football team you know they had if i remember counting them up correctly i could double check it here they had like six games that were decided by one possession or less so there was a there was that detroit team that looked like it had a bright future there was a detroit team that looked like it just couldn't figure out the rules of football and these were the games like the 44 to 6 loss to philadelphia the 51 to 29 loss to um seattle the 38 to 10 loss to Denver. And then there were other times where Detroit just looked like the most inept football team in the national football league, where it seemed like this team would win six or seven games if they could just get out of their own fucking way. You know, and I think back to like, especially that first game against Chicago where they lose 24 to 14, they had, I believe it was three consecutive red zone possessions and came away with zero points because they kept turning the ball over because one time Jared Goff walks up to the center and the ball just ricochets off of his shoulder and and ends up in the hands of a Bears defensive lineman. Just simple, stupid shit that shot them in the foot and cost them these football games. So putting any kind of label on Detroit's season is difficult for me because of just how just how fucking wild it was in general. Um, There's a lot of things to look forward to. And there's solace in the fact that this isn't, you know, this isn't the Megatron Matthew Stafford Detroit lions team, or even the, the lions team after uh, Megatron where they have so many great pieces and they just can't put it together. None of us had any expectation that the lions were going to be better than a three win football team walking into this year. You know, so they they about met our expectations, but the way that they met it was one of the most roller coaster fashions we've ever seen. Like, even if you just compare their season to Jacksonville's, there were times where Detroit looked like they could crush Jacksonville 45 to nothing. And there were times where it looked like Detroit would fucking fumble the opening kickoff because they ran the wrong way or some stupid shit. Like it, it, it was just absolutely crazy watching the Lions season. But unlike Jacksonville, 
there's a lot more that I'm excited about with the Lions than I, 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 I am with the Jacksonville Jaguars, mostly because the Lions didn't pay Christian Kirk's a shit ton of money to play wide receiver. But, uh, you know, that's that's beside the point. Let's talk about one of the bigger storylines throughout the Lions season, which is the play of Jared Goff. Jared Goff, part of that trade piece coming over from the Rams for Matthew Stafford. Now, we all know how that turned out for the Rams. We'll get to that on the very last episode of our team preview. But Jared Goff, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions, uh, sacked 35 times on the year. Um, I have to check fumbles here really quickly and had nine fumbles uh, on the season. Um, Lots of calls from Detroit fans, from even people across the league saying Detroit should have gone with the quarterback this draft. Do you guys agree with Detroit's move either A, not to get a quarterback or do you think that Jared Goff deserved a second year in Detroit? No, I don't blame them for not getting a quarterback. I mean, we said it leading up to the draft, and we saw it in the draft. Nobody really liked this draft class. I mean, Kenny Pickett was the only one to go in the first two rounds, and a lot of guys who were expected to be first-rounders were going third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, so it wasn't the greatest class to pick somebody up. Um and especially with the class next year, which is supposed to be loaded, that's where you want to get your franchise guy. And I think Jared Goff, for what he's is, is the bridge quarterback. I think he played fine. I mean, 67% of his passes completed over 3,000 yards. And like you said, 19 touchdowns to eight interceptions. That's pretty decent for your bridge quarterback. Um, so they can definitely find someone next year. Um in the next quarterback draft, which is supposed to be a lot better from, you know, the number one guy to, you know, the eighth, ninth guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that, I mean, uh, Jared Goff is what Jared Goff has been most of his career, which is serviceable. Um, uh, this season, like you did point out there were times where it was very much, he was making dumb mistakes. It was painful to um, watch. It was very painful to watch, but if you look at his stat, if you look at his stat line, um, he played he played decent. Like again, sixty-seven percent of his passes completed, uh, almost uh, three thousand yards, nineteen for eighteen or nineteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. Like that's what you need. Uh, I will say that those stats are probably packed from the the back end of that season where they went three and three, um, and Amon Saint Amon Ross Saint Brown decided to show up and did amazing things for my fantasy team. Thank you, bud. Um, not enough for me to win, but enough. Um, like like so those are good things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, if you want to join the Fourth String Sports Fantasy Football League to help me destroy Brady Russell, um, anyway, two and zero, oh. uh, two and zero, oh, motherfuckers, oh. take uh, the throne from the king. Let's fucking go. <laughs> um, but I agree. I agree with Mitch. I the quarterbacks that you were going to get that were veteran. There were really no free agent quarterbacks this season. Like there were nobody that was going into free agency that you were like, okay, this is somebody that we can sign. Every quarterback that's available or has been available is um, a trade. And so you look at the ones that are better than Jared Goff, like arguably better than Jared Goff. It's Russell Wilson. And that was really it. That were up on the, on the trade market. Uh, Nobody else that you could probably trade for. That would be better. Baker, probably not better. Uh, Jimmy G, probably not better. Sam Darnold, definitely not better. Um, those guys aren't serviceable. Okay, so now you look at those, you go to the NFL draft. I agree with Mitch completely and totally. Uh, the only guy that went in the first round was Kenny Pickett, good quarterback, Matt Corral, not too bad. 
Like I, uh, Malik Willis, good serviceable guy. Um, but all of those guys need time. Um, so if you're already going to be having a guy that's going to need time, and so you're not going to get anything from him out of the season. Why would you wait, waste a first round draft pick or a second round draft pick on somebody like this, where you can look at next season where you have, uh, you have Bryce Young, you have uh, Williams from USC, you have uh, DJ Stroud. Yeah, it's CJ Stroud. Sam Hartman uh, from Wake Forest. Yeah, Hartman from Wake for- Forest. Uh, Armstrong, who I'm really high on, but from these Virginia. guys. From, from Virginia, but these guys don't know exists. Um, Keenan Slovis is even con- considered to be a uh, first round. Caleb Williams? I said Caleb Williams. Eligible? Oh, okay. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Uh, Keenan Slovis, who is doing amazing things at Kentucky. Not Kentucky. No, I'm thinking of a different guy. Will Levis. Yeah, um, Will Levis. Doing good things at Kentucky. There are plenty of other guys. You can also look at, like, and all of these guys. And again, Brady's rolling his eyes because he doesn't believe in the same if you thing. Tr- but if I you can- truly want to try to fucking convince me that half of those guys were better than Kenny Pickett last year, I'll blow your fucking head. Oh, last, last year? No. But in a year, probably. Um, like, But what I'm saying is that even Kenny Pickett, who, we, who I have a ton of faith in and I think is an amazing quarterback and fits exactly what Pittsburgh wants to do um, and will be, the all, I think, the only quarterback to get any serviceable reps and actually do anything good for his team as a quarterback this year. Yeah. yeah. Like what I'm saying is like, okay, yeah, so you get him, but he's not worth the second overall. He's not worth 12 overall. He's not worth like where you can get other guys. Yeah. Um, and there's no one else on there that you're like, okay, because I can look at Slovis and Lev and Levis and Hartman and Armstrong and all of these other guys that would be mid-tier quarterbacks, and I can go, I can get basically what I want from any of the other remaining quarterbacks in the in this last draft and get them the same in the second draft. If I can't get Caleb Williams or Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. So, so there, do, there doesn't make any sense. And that doesn't even consider that there are other quarterbacks that are going to be coming in this year um, that could raise their draft stock like we've seen over the last years where nobody yeah. was paying attention to uh, BYU or paying attention to uh, uh, Mac Jones or uh, even Joe Burrow wasn't considered a first-round quarterback until he nope. had his amazing season. And look where he's at right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so we don't know what could happen in a season where we could get the next Joe Burrow or the ne- next Mac Jones that catapult into a first round talent um, throughout the season. So like, I, I, I think that there's, there is no surprise um, that if Jared Goff keeps playing the way that he has been playing um, in Detroit, then there's no reason to try to find a quarterback to come in and play for him um, when you're going to be, or uh, get a new quarterback to come in when you're probably not going to get anything better than what you have. Yeah, so I guess I guess what I'll say is that for because what you have to what you have to remember with how the Lions did this is that the Lions traded up to twelve. They were they were had the second pick. They had the thirty second pick is what it came down to. So the the question that that I that time is gonna is gonna tell ultimately is would it have been worth it to hold on to that 30-second pick and draft Kenny Pickett? Now, what they did with 12, we'll get into in a minute, picked up Jamison Williams, I think absolutely solid pick there. But that's that's the ultimate question. It, it, listen, Jared, I mean, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. The, the issue with the Lions is that you're paying him a shit ton of money to be there um, because he, it's not going to be like it was last season where you got a tax break, or, you know, you got a salary cap cut because of that trade because the Rams ate a bunch of that contract. You have to pay that out this year. Um, but 
one thing that I think the Lions did very well, and I'll kind of use this to segue into their free agency moves, is that for the first time in a long time, it seemed like the Lions understood the price to performance ratio needed for a rebuilding football team. Because I think you guys both hit something on the head. For what you would have had to pay for any of those guys, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, um, uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, even Mitch Trubisky, who let's not forget, signed what, a two-year $20 million deal? Marcus Mariota signed a $20 million deal. Like, you wouldn't have gotten much better performance from those guys, largely because of how the the rest of the team as a whole looks at his built. It's just frankly, not a good football team as it's built, but it's getting there, you know? So having that bridge is, is great. It's awesome. It's perfect. The kind of issue with it and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, do they also have the Rams first round pick for next year? Let me check. Because now I'm drawing a blank on what the what exactly the terms of the the, the Stafford. Um, I believe they do because I think last year's Rams pick was still with Jacksonville. Yeah, great. So next, so next year they have. Yeah, so next year they have all of their picks, including Lions first, Broncos sixth, and Lion, and then Lions and Packers seventh. And the other Rams first. <coughs> yeah, no. So they have the Rams first. And, okay, gotcha. And, so they have so yeah. two first round. So yeah, with two first round picks next year, Mitch ran off the list of guys. There's plenty of quarterbacks that are going to be available. The question that you have to ask yourself, and the question that that the Lions, this is going to be the real test of the Lions organization in the future, is who is the guy? Are you going to get the guy correct? Because we've seen it. Joe Burrow was the correct move for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Josh Allen was the correct move for the Buffalo Bills. Patrick Mahomes was the correct move for the Kansas city chiefs. Jordan love is the correct move. No, I'm kidding. So like, <laughs> like you have to get it correct. You. you have to get it correct. But if we look at all the other quarterbacks who were drafted, was Josh Rosen, the right move for Arizona was Deshaun Watson, the right move for Houston or Mitchell Trubisky yes. for Chicago <laughs> was what? No, I mean, we, we have to ask ourselves these questions here. Yeah. Was, no, I, you know, I like was, I mean, was Daniel Jones the right move for the Giants? Was Sam Darnold the right move for the like? There's you're gonna get them a lot more wrong than you get them a lot more right, and so you have True. to have you have to try to have faith in a Lions organization that historically hasn't been great at judging this kind of talent to get a first round pick correct. You know, to get that high level of a first round pick correct. You're, but I rather them do it next year, where you and where I you agree have a better with chance of getting the guy than this year, where it's Kenny Pickett and. Yeah, well, and, and I, I agree. With but you. like, but when we get into their draft and like you said, their free agency, like you can look at it and go, okay, they might not have drafted the quarterback, but they're doing everything that they possibly can to make sure when they do get their quarterback, it's they're in a good position. They're doing exactly what mm-hmm. uh, they're doing exactly what uh, every other uh, organization that did succeed did do. So they're doing what the Chargers did. They're doing what Cincinnati did. They're doing what. Um, the Patriots did. They're doing all of these things so that they make sure that when they get their quarterback, they have a solid offensive line. They have a good enough defense that can hold up against whatever that they're trying to do and that they have the weapons that they need in order. Cause that was a big thing. It's like you had Stafford and we saw that when you invest in something for Stafford, he is good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Like, like, like if you make those moves, he can make you to the playoffs and he can help you win a Super Bowl. We saw that the best the best seasons that the Lions had is when they had an amazing defense. 
mm-hmm. that that help them get to the playoffs and do good things. And then they had Reggie or not Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush wasn't there with. Um, no, not not when they made the playoffs. Not when they made the playoffs. But you had you had other weapons that Stafford could use. You had those guys. I mean, how long did it? How long has it been? I mean, Carry on Johnson was the last guy to do. Like I think he was really close. But they haven't had a thousand yard back since uh, Sanders. So it's like, like almost in that entire, like, like, like you went on this long run of having just an established person and there. And so you kind of rely on it. And what I, and so I kind of agree with Mitch. And I think from what you're coming from too, is that this wasn't the right year for them to try to go get a quarterback uh-huh. and, and that they're doing, but they're, but it's not like they're sitting there and just waiting to get a quarterback. They're doing everything that they possibly can so that they can even boost the the play of Jared Goff, but then that's kind of, there goes the sink or swim. Okay. If Jared Goff plays well enough and you guys aren't in the first top 10, the top 10 picks. And I don't know if we have no idea where they could be. If you're on the top 10 picks and I'd be hard pressed to believe that the lions wouldn't have a top 10 pick next year. No, true. But, but I'm just saying if you, if you play well enough, Mm -hmm. And you're not even a top five. Let's say even a top five pick. Like you're picking at six. And if Stroud and Williams and Bryce Young are as good as we think that they are, they're probably going to be picked in one, two, and three, or one, two, three somewhere in the first five. Like we saw with, uh, we saw with Lawrence and Lance and um, the fucking kid from I can never think of his oh, name. Oh, Wilson. Wilson. Well, and then you and then. My name is Voight, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Still one of the best family guy colors. Um, and then you also had guys like uh, Mac Jones and um, Justin Fields. Justin Fields, who were considered first round picks that were there too, that fell because of whatever reason. Um, like, so that's part of it is like, so, it, so you kind of have to balance. So this is kind of the thing is like, are the Lions going to lose on purpose so that they get a good quarterback? I don't think that they will because it doesn't feel like the culture that they're instilling there and the head coach, but then you have to look, okay, so if we do well enough, we need to start looking away from Stroud, Williams, and Young and start looking at more like Armstrongs, Hartman, um, and other guys that could be later first-round picks or early second-round picks. Like, Yeah, no, I mean, at, like you're you're both absolutely correct, but there's a huge contingency that you're, you're putting that on, and it's for the Lions as an organization to be uh, adept enough to make the right decision here. And, and don't get me wrong, there are scouts and professionals who get paid a shit ton more money than any of us do to make that decision. And there were plenty of scouts who said Mitch Trubisky was the best of the Trubisky Mahomes Watson draft. And, and we all know how that turned out the same as there were scouts who said that Ryan leaf was the best of him and Manning. And there were scouts who said that the Patriots taking Tom Brady in a sixth round pick was a bit of a reach, right? Part of it is that we just don't necessarily know. So then I have to kind of go back to this team's track record with how they have built teams and see what's different this year or these upcoming years, as opposed to years in the past. My number one thing is that you just need the lions to invest in a competent head coach. And I think Dan Campbell is a competent head coach and Skyler, I think you had one point to shit right on the head, which is that I don't think Dan Campbell would allow his team to lose purposely. I think if he believed anybody on that team was dogging it enough that to try to lose that their ass would be 
on the cutting room floor immediately. And that's what I yeah. want to see out of Detroit, because even though I'm a Packer fan, I want to see historically bad organizations do good. I would find it so goddamn funny if the Detroit lions made it to a super bowl before the Dallas Cowboys did in the last 30 years, I'd find that shit hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Or even if the Minnesota Vikings did it, but I'm a little bit less, I'd be less happy if the Vikings did, it. but you you have this is an organization that ran their last two hall of famers out of the league with how incompetent they were and then traded a guy who we just saw win a super bowl um for a shit ton of draft capital but this is this is not an organization that has utilized capital very well in the past right like we let's like let's even take a look there you know we can sit here now and still say that the Penny Sewell, Justin, or not, uh, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, kind of who is going to do what in that situation, we still don't know who's won that. But let's not forget this is a Detroit team that not too long ago drafted Jeff Akuda, a guy who hasn't even been able to get on the field in, no, I, in the three years he's been there. You know, so I, and again, that's that was a different regime, that was a different GM, there's different head coaches, lots of different things happening in Detroit. But that ha- that hangs heavy in the back of my mind when it comes to predictions about the Detroit Lions. Well, and I, I mean, I, I remember when Jeff Kuda got picked. We all agree it was a good pick. Yes. Yeah, no, he was the yeah, best yeah. corner. So There's like, no doubt about that. Yeah, so, like, so like what I'm saying, like, like I, 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 I get where you're coming from. Like, I think of historically, like, teams that, you know, growing up that we were all like, okay, this team is going to be dog shit, but how dog shit are they going to be? Mm-hmm. Lions, Chiefs, Browns, those guys were like, these are just going to be bad teams. Like, we know they're going to be a bad team. How bad are they going to be? And so, like, the joke was that every year the Browns are going to pick a quarterback no matter what. Mm. Like, until they stopped doing that. And then they, you know, became good or decent, at least. Um, So it's the same thing. And so when we have the Lions change, change a regime, like you said, with Dan Campbell and a new GM and new scouts and all of these different kinds of things, I have to kind of there's a, a switch I have to flip in my head and I have to be like, okay, they're changing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So now I can't, I can't look at it. Whereas I look at last year's draft. I love the penny. We like, I can look at, I, I have, I have it. Where, what am I? 21. I gave their draft last year in a, like mm-hmm. I loved what they did. Got them on Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. Amazing. Mm-hmm. You got um, Penny Sewell and uh, you, you helped in that interior offensive line. Uh, if he too, I can't even think of his last name, the counterback out of, uh, yeah, uh I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Like, like those things were amazing moves and we saw that they actually paid off for them. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of like, we're kind of like, okay, with Dan Campbell and this new GM, can we have faith that they can do those things again? Well, maybe we'll see what happens. Like we can, when we get to the draft, we'll all see how well we like this draft. But again, it goes to this idea of like, okay, can you draft and develop? Well, can you decide like Brady, you said, can you decide how much is rebuilding actually worth? Like, how much are you willing to actually pay these veterans to come in and do those kinds of things if that means that you're not getting serviceable young players to stick around for five years because you don't have the cap to spend it on them? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do here that is different from the past? And I, one of the key ones that I absolutely love is that you're not going after New England Patriots players that just got cut. <laughs> and you're not trading for New England Patriots players that just got cut. You're yeah, it was nice away. to it was definitely it was nice, nice to nice. look through their free agency moves and see that they didn't pick up any Patriots in the offseason. And not see Jamie Collins there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Well, let's let's move on to their free agent moves. Now, there are a couple of signings that you know that could be big, but really not a ton of movement in terms of free agency. 
I, at least in my opinion, this would be my take of it, is that I, I don't really think they lost anybody who was exceptionally damaging to them, mostly because this was a three and 13 and one football team last year. Right. Yeah. But I also don't think they signed any massive, um, like any massive free agent. I mean, the one that, the one that I'll say for me stands out is going to be DJ shark, because if DJ shark, who they picked up the wide receiver from Jacksonville previously, if he can produce with just a hint of what we saw with him and Gardner Minshew a couple years ago, um, he can be a really solid number one wide receiver so that you can get your matchup where you have Amon Ross St. Brown or Khalif Raymond lining up in the slot. And you've got TJ Hawkinson coming off of the line of scrimmage there. That's really the only signing that sticks out to me, but what about you boys? Yeah, um, I really like their approach to free agency. Like the only big name that they lost was Jalen Reeves Maben, who's a career backup. Um, but they brought a lot, a lot of their guys back, and I think that's very important. Um, even though they are a three and thirteen, you wouldn't think you want those guys back. But for them to install the culture and what they want to do offensively, defensively, defensively, now these guys are going to be second year in the system. Um, and I think that'll help them out instead of throwing huge amounts of money at people like Christian Kirk. Um, but I do agree with you. I really like the DJ chart pickup. I mean, the last time he was healthy enough, which is in 2020 where he played 13 games, he put up 53 catches, 706 yards and five touchdowns and going off of last year's stats, he would have been the second best uh, wide receiver on the team. And it's not even close. Um, but the other pickup that I do like is Deshaun Elliott. Um, I feel like he was a very solid safety and I think he's definitely an upgrade over anyone that they have right now. Um, and I think it's, I think he'll really help improve this defense overall. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the only one that you can look up is, is, is Chark, uh, DJ Chark. That's really it. That's the only offseason move on either additions or subtractions that really mattered. Um, because nobody really left, uh, that, that mattered that you can't replenish in the draft or in some free agencies they did lose one of their safeties um played like 60 percent of the snaps so that that could be something on the back end but like we said the nfc north wide receiver core um is really just minnesota and 10 feet of crap um right now uh like in terms of like solid team play i know what to expect i'm sure that green bay will get guys that i have never heard of um, except for samari torre um to play amazingly um and i'm sure that uh Amonse Brown will do amazing work um, and the bears will have the one guy they can catch really well and nobody else. Yeah. Um, like, like it's going to be very simple, but like, again, um, this is a good, this, if you're not, if you're testing young defensive backs, this is the year to do it in the NFC North, at least in my opinion. Um, uh, so yeah, it's DJ shark and then good, but I, but I agree with what Brady said earlier. Um, don't test, don't spend off season money on money that, on things that you're not going to use. Um, don't don't try to fill holes or or things with subpar players when you can trust your develop your development or you can trust your scouting which are things that we haven't really been able to trust in the Detroit Lions in the past um but like I I wouldn't waste money if I don't have if I don't have any that I can use in the future like it's already hard enough to get people to come to play for Detroit um but damn but like continue building what you have because you have a lot of really good pieces it just needs you just need to continue continue to add to them which i think is um why they didn't do it really in free agency I, when we look at the draft i i think that they did a good job of that 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other signing that I would point out would still be in the wide receiver room, but would be a re-signing, and that was them getting Josh Reynolds back for $3 million. You know, Josh Reynolds can be highly effective, and at $3 million, that's a fucking steal. Like, if we take a look at, obviously, the wide receiver market as it looks through the rest of the NFL, I mean, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think is kind of comparable in terms of overall statistics and play and stuff, signed a 10 million per year deal with the chiefs and you're getting Josh Reynolds who can stay healthy can get you, you know, probably five to 600 yards receiving and maybe three to four touchdowns on the year. Um, But let's move on to their draft. Now, remember the lions had two first round picks originally had the 32nd pick um, to go with the second pick, but they moved up from 32nd to 12, making an in-division trade with Minnesota um, and picked up, Jamison Williams. They used the second overall pick on Aiden Hutchinson, the, the uh, edge rusher from Michigan. And in the second round, they took another edge rusher, Josh Pascal out of Kentucky, followed by safety Kirby Joseph, tight end James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech, um, linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma State in the sixth, edge rusher James Houston out of Jackson State in the sixth. So Deion Sanders has a draft pick. Um, and uh, in the seventh round, they took a corner Chase Lucas at Arizona State. So Mitch, Taking a look at their draft, how do you grade the uh, incoming Detroit Lions players? Honestly, I'm going to give it an A. I really like what they did. Um, Aiden Hutchinson was considered the best player in the draft. Um, Obviously, he's got that pass rushing ability, but he also brings run stopping to it. And to put him on this defensive line, which hasn't seen that kind of talent since uh, the Duncan Sue and Nick Farley were on that line, um, I think that's going to do wonders for them. Jamison Williams, what a year that he had uh, transferring from Ohio State. Dude's fast. When he gets healthy, him, Amon Rossi, Brown, and J.J. Chark, I think could be a very dangerous uh, wide receiver trio for whether it's Jared Goff or draft pick next year. Um, and then the, in the later rounds, I think they hit it. Kirby Joseph. I think it's a very good underrated guy who could definitely start day one, and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, a lot of people are already talking about Malcolm Rodriguez from Oklahoma State being a day one starter. And it wouldn't surprise me given how well Oklahoma State's defense was last year. And then another guy that you uh, said was James Houston. Even though he's from Jackson State and, you know, it's a lower level college, he put up amazing numbers last year 70 tackles, 24 and a half for loss, 16 and a half sacks, seven forced fumbles, and one pick. And obviously you have to take that with a grain of salt given to the competition that he was playing with, but the dude's talented. And if they can uh, develop him, I think he could be a really nice edge rusher to a room that's already got an Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Pascal from Kentucky and Charles Harris, who was a bust, but was able to put up seven and a half sacks for them last year. So I really like what they do with it uh, from top to bottom. So that's my first A of the year. I agree with Mitch. I'm giving up my first A of the year. I love what they did top to bottom. Um, some of the guys, like he already touched on Aiden Hutchinson, Jamison Williams, uh, both bona fide stars, um, can do amazing, really good things at their positions. Um, probably the best player at each position. Um, Jamison Williams, when healthy, is probably the best player in, in the draft at his position. Because the <laughs> fact that the guy tore his ACL and was still drafted 12 overall. Um, Says it all. He, it yeah says it all. Like if he was healthy, he probably would have been a top, maybe a top five pick. Um, but uh, some of the other guys that they touched on, uh, Josh Pascal from uh, Kentucky, um, very 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 good. Still has some some things to learn, but uh, PFF was really high on him. Um, he had a ninety overall grade. Um, 
this last year, according to PFF, which is amazing. Uh, the safety out of Illinois, Kirby Joseph. Uh, you got rid of a safety, and then you got a good safety. Um, he's he's a converted safety, so he he hasn't played a lot, but he is has great ball skills. Uh, turned the uh, was able to force turnovers. I think he led. Uh, Division one football in turnovers forced in terms of like interceptions and fumbles. Um, the guy's a ball hawk. He's going to go after it. He, he plays well. He needs to learn a little bit more of the fundamentals of playing safety. Um, but in terms of raw athleticism and like ball, like ball hawking skills, probably second to none. Um, uh, uh, tight end out of Virginia tech, James Mitchell, um, very good at what he did. Um, and for what they got, uh, he's, he's good. Um, he has very, very high potential, um, reason he slid he had another acl injury um so like that's and that was weak but that was week two versus towards the end of the season for james uh for uh wilson um so like you're able to um like he should be rehabbing a little bit better on that be able should be able to come back um but again uh you need a weapon a tight end you got one uh virginia tech um and then i agree wholeheartedly with what brady with mitch said at uh about Malcolm Rodriguez and James Houston, but I also want to point out Chase Lucas, their seventh round pick. He was a four-star recruit out of coming out of high school, um, was a first team all pack 12, his first season they kind of slid a little bit, but even in his last season, which was kind of one of his worst seasons, he still didn't let up a touchdown, um, which is very impressive of what you need. They need help on the defensive end of uh, the defensive uh, side of the ball. They did a lot of that specifically in the secondary and you're not wasting first or second round picks on it. Um, so if they don't work out, they don't work out. That's okay. Um, I love what they did with this draft. Hey. Uh, yeah, gentlemen. I mean, we're, we're in agreement here. That's three A's in a row. Listen, like, Oh my God, you guys, I mean, I think you guys hit it in the head. The, the only aspect I'd, I'd add to everything that you said is that this feels like a Detroit draft for the future. Like this doesn't necessarily feel like one of those drafts where where the team is expecting with this group of picks to win twice as many games as they did last year, even if that's just six wins versus three. As much as it feels like this is a team that's like, hey, you know what? We're going to get these guys on these rookie contracts. We're going to get our minds right. And we're going to put ourselves in the best position to win two or three seasons from now when I have the most ideal position in football, which is a rookie court, which is a quarterback on his rookie contract, like a high level quarterback on his rookie contract. You know, um, the Jamison Williams pick is the Jamison Williams pick is obviously one that might not work out very well this year because of his injury, but long-term is great because remember you moved up, you picked him in the first round you have a team option on his fifth year, you know, like you've got Aiden Hutchinson, great pass rusher. You've got him on his fifth year, you know? So you have these uh, players who, you know, to start out who, who are going to be there for a while and who, who you don't need to be fully good until years two or three of their contracts there. Um, um and then uh, the other thing that I really like is just the heavy focus on edge rushing. There was one thing that we hammered home time and time again with the Detroit Lions last year, which is that they did not have that much of a pass rush where you draft three edge rushers, all of whom can really perform for you. As Mitch said, you have Charles Harris already, um, who played really well uh, last season for you. Um, and, and I just like it. The only thing that I kind of I, I wish I would have seen maybe a little bit more um, would be. Uh, <sighs> I guess the only thing I'd, I'd say that I wish 
I would have seen a little bit more again, maybe would have been readdressing the offensive line a little bit. It is. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very difficult for me to fall in love completely with a team's draft. If you're not addressing the trenches of the defensive line or the offensive line. Now, granted, they've already got some really solid offensive line pieces, but it, I, I don't understand teams who go through a whole draft without drafting any offensive line. I, I don't, I don't understand it. They are almost 50% of who you have on one side of the field, half, you know, half of the game. I don't understand how you're not happy with your depth. Um, or I'm sorry. I don't understand how you're happy with your depth across the board there, but that's, that's my only genuine criticism of their draft. Cause I wasn't going to turn it into a Detroit Lions circle jerk. I know fair, fair, uh, but like also Brady, like I'm going to say this every time that a team doesn't draft at least one offensive lineman in their draft, you're unhappy. Oh yeah. No, because there is, we have seen far too many times great teams completely fall apart because they don't have that depth on the offensive line. I mean, right now, as it stands right now, both your starting left tackle and your backup left guard are injured walking into camp. Um, So you've got, you've got two left tackles on a roster. One of whom is, I mean, your best of the two is a, is Obina Ize. Um, who's a guy I've genuinely just never heard of. Um, you've got two guards, you've got four centers, and then the right side of your line is very, is, is solid. Now I don't like uh, uh, Vitae. I, we talked about it uh, when we did our Lions preview last year. I don't think that it was a great signing on their part. I don't know if he's worth the money, but Penny Sewell's getting another year. So for me, it, it, I just, I don't quite understand that aspect of it, but all in all, it's it's a solid draft. I can't complain too much with it. What if I tell you that they signed a tackle and two guards in the undrafted free agents? Uh, that I mean, uh, UDFA means absolutely nothing to me. It's nothing against those guys, but it means absolutely. How many nothing. how many UDFAs have the Packers turned into like Pro Bowlers? I I don't know how many. I, no, I was asking <laughs> you. I, in terms, no, I mean in terms of Pro Bowlers, I couldn't tell you the last undrafted free agent that the Packers turned into a pro bowler. Shamon Williams. Sure. So, and that was almost 10 years ago. Yeah, but he's played at pro pro bowl level. I mean, Robert sure. Tunyon was an undrafted guy. He's been great at tight end. I believe, Rasul, I believe Rasul Douglas was drafted, right? Yeah. I think he's like a mid to late round pick. Um, uh, but uh, Bob Tanyan was, I believe, drafted by detroit originally wasn't he no i'm drafted out of indiana state oh but he was with detroit before he was in green bay yeah oh my god okay i mean sam shields was undrafted and he did amazing so yeah but again like possible we're talking you know we're talking about sam shields last year with the packers was six seven seasons ago jermon williams last season with the packers was three seasons ago i believe um no last year or not this last season, but the season before that. The season before. Uh, LaFleur. When we played the Bucks. Year. When we played the Bucks. Okay. Um, but even then, it wasn't. didn't we re-sign Tremont Williams like towards the end of the season? Like he was not there at the start of the year. Yeah, he was He was at the end of the year. They don't and then, have the teams they played for on this. Fuck. Okay. And then we got pissed because they didn't play him. And yeah. Kevin King decided to let Scotty Miller score a touchdown. 
Kevin King had watched Blazing Saddles the night before and thought that uh, white people deserve a chance. So, um, no, I mean, and, and again, like that's that's my only criticism on it. But it's uh, other than that, I can't I can't criticize the Lions draft too much. The only the only issue is, is that, hey, man, again, with the Detroit Lions, it looks great on paper. But now we have to see these guys perform. And when you're already bringing in two draft picks who are hurt in both um, uh, Mitchell and Jamison Williams um, there, I think that there's valid questions that have to be asked there. Um, Skyler, that's probably too difficult of a task to to realistically hey, I'm, on the show here. I am I am I am trying to find right now. Um, I, it's I just it's you. just all it's like it's all like top twenty five undrafted free agents of all time. I'm like, no, give me pack. I want Packers. I want Pro Bowls. Like, let I, this is what I want. You <laughs> think somebody want to figure this out? But no, nobody's figured it out. Um, but like it's it's not unpo- it's not impossible. You can do it. And but like mm-hmm. like when you're talking about depth and you're talking about needing depth, undrafted free agency is really the key. It is really a key part of feeding in the depth for your team. And when you have 53 man rosters, um, like that's part of it. They they feed that depth. Like mm-hmm. like I I like I I get where you're coming from. You're very much an inside out kind of guy when it comes to building a team. I respect it. I will say it every single time. I respect your opinion. I think it's dead wrong because I think it's dependent on the team. And right now, after last year, when they 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 have Detroit has invested a ton of a ton of draft and uh, just draft and just other parts of of their off seasons to interior offense to not just not interior but just offensive line in general. I think that where they were at, what they needed to do, they needed to flip the script and focus on the defense this season and I, mm-hmm. on this draft. And I like what they did because you still probably have a perennial, you you have you have a perennial starter and if not Pro Bowler and Panay Suell played a great, started a little slow, but played great. Um, this yeah, and season. you've still got Frank Reich now. You've still got Decker. If Decker comes back fully healthy and there's no issue there, like, yeah. like we all we all kind of agreed that you know the the best part about the Detroit offense last year was their was their offensive line, but it, there were moments where it completely fell apart due to that injury bug. Um, but oh, we'll different. move we'll move on here to our season prediction. Uh, just to run through their schedule very quickly. Remember Detroit three thirteen and one last season. Um, they kicked the season off with back to back home games. Um, starting out uh, home against Philadelphia, home against Washington. They go to Minnesota, home against Seattle at New England before a week six bye. They come out of a bye going to Dallas, home against Miami. Then they've got back-to-back division games, home against uh, Green Bay at Chicago. They go to the Giants. Uh, they come back home against Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Minnesota before back-to-back road games to the Jets, to the Panthers, uh, and then close the season home against Chicago at Green Bay. So, Mitch, um, why don't we – yeah, well, what's your prediction on the Detroit Lions next season? Um, I think they improve upon their record from last year, and I think they go 6-11. and 11. Um, There's a lot of teams on their schedule that I think they can definitely beat. I mean, they get to play the Bears twice a year. They get to play the Jets, the Panthers, the Jags, the Giants. Um a Seahawks team without Russell Wilson, the commanders with Carson Wentz. I mean, there's a lot of beatable teams on this schedule. And I think with, I think the guys who were on the team last year will improve upon being the second year of the system. And I think they added a lot uh, through free agency and uh, the draft for them to get three more wins. Um, 
Yeah, I I also have them going six and eleven. I had them going seven and ten, and then I chickened out. Um, but like like in that range, mm. I I think six I think six and eleven, seven and ten, like where they 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 say I I really look at that back half of the season, which for them, which I think is going to be easy, like like I I think they're going to struggle through the first before the bye. Um, because you have the Eagles, who I I'm assuming are going to be much better. Uh, the Commanders, who will be pretty good, or not pretty good, decent. They will be decent. Um, Vikings going to play Vikings in Minneapolis is going to be hard. Going to play New England at New England is hard. Um, but then towards like week 13 on, you you're you're pretty good. You have the Jag, you have the Jags, you have Minnesota has to come come to you. You have the Jets, the Carolina, and then. Uh, the Bears have to come to you. Um, I think that they could also win against Miami um, in week eight. Um, like, those are things that you can do. You also have to go to the Giants. Um, but the, I, I like those, those, like, you you can you can possibly fit in that almost 500 category based off of the teams that they have to play. But this also relies on the fact that the Lions, like Brady, you said it in our opening, that they don't look incompetent. Like, they have to actually. At times. At times. Like, you, they have to like they have to like know the rules of football. They need to stop shooting themselves in the foot. They need to be disciplined in what they're doing. Um, so those are things that they, they have to continue to do, um, continue to improve on. This is a very young team, but I think it's a very talented team. Um, and like Mitch, I agree with Mitch that a lot of the young guys from last season will have matured, had a year under the belt, and they looked a lot better towards the end of the season. So hopefully they can use that momentum to carry them through uh, this next season. Because um, I feel like there's a lot of belief in Detroit, which and at least if not in the city, in the locker room, mm-hmm. which is something that has sorely been missing um, from that team for a while. So I, I think that I think that again, even at six and eleven, seven and ten, that's not going to be something that the Lions fans are going to be upset with. If I was a Lions fan, I wouldn't be upset with it. I just we want a competitive team, and I think that that's what they're going to get. They're going to get a competitive team, and a couple more games are going to go their way this season. Damn, I really wish we would have coordinated. I have the Lions going five and twelve. Um, Damn it, my. <laughs> My big issue with the Lions schedule is that there's not many consecutive weeks where I feel like this team can build momentum. And and what I mean by that is not exactly a tough start, but not the easiest start to the season with Washington and Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia was a playoff team last year who we expect to be better. Washington is going to be healthy to start the season out. And if there's one thing we've seen out of Washington the last couple of years, it's that they have a great way of starting the season and a bad way of ending the season. Um, but you look at the games, the very winnable games for them, you have Seattle. Well, that's sandwiched between a road trip to Minnesota and a road trip to New England, two teams that we all kind of expect to be better. Um, then they come out of their bye week when they're healthy, and they've got two of three weeks against playoff caliber teams, and that one week in the middle against Miami, they've just added uh, uh, Tyreek Hill and a couple of other key pieces that we'll talk about in a Miami preview. Well, then, you know, we fast forward a little bit. Well, they got that game against the Giants. Well, they follow it right up with a game against Buffalo, who is a, a Super Bowl contender. Well, they have the game against Jacksonville. Well, they follow it up again with a game against Minnesota. And Minnesota's had Detroit's number these last couple of years. And then we got two consecutive games that they could probably win, Jets, Panthers. But they follow it up with two consecutive division games a late season home game against the bears and then going to uh, Lambeau in January where Aaron Rodgers is virtually undefeated in the regular season. Um, so it, my big issue with the lions is that there's not like a three week stretch 
where I feel like this team can build momentum, right? I feel like for every one step forward they're going to take, they're going to run into a brick wall in one or two weeks after that. You know, it's hard for a team to go into such an early week by, and then two of their next three games are against teams who were high seed playoff contender playoff uh, teams last year. And two teams who were fighting for the number one overall seed towards the end of the season. Right. And then, and then you've got a Buffalo team who, you know, was really a step away from the Super Bowl and has been the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, so it's the back half of the schedule genuinely is a little bit easier. Part of that is because of the amount of divisional games straight your last five are in division. You're always going to play those harder. But I got I got Detroit going five and twelve, five and twelve. I think it's going to be a better looking five and twelve than their three thirteen and one season reflected. But considering that we don't know when Jamison Williams is going to be fully healthy, we don't know what we're going to get out of Jared Goff. I it, it, there's as equal a shot for me that Jared Goff plays as serviceable as he did last year as he looks as bad as Baker Mayfield did last year like it's a 50-50 shot it's completely up in the air I don't know how they're going to use their halfbacks there were times where it didn't seem like they were using their halfbacks correctly Um, times where the focus was too much on Jamal Williams times where the focus was too much on DeAndre Swift and instead of making a commitment or having a a solid tandem it seemed chaotic Um, defensively you really addressed it but now you're investing a ton of draft potential um or you're you're investing a ton of uh let me try this again you are hoping to get a ton of production out of a pass rushing room that is going to be 75 percent rookies you know and out of a secondary room that's going to be filled with kind of this aging veteran group meets you know young injured meets meets young upcoming and healthy and and so there's too many questions out there for me to 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 really have any major faith in Detroit but I think it is going to be a much better looking 5 and 12 team than the 313 and 1 team that we saw. I think they're going to have less losses that are going to be themselves shooting them or or sh- that are going to be the, uh, shooting themselves in the foot as opposed to other teams just being able to pull out one more play in the game, you know. Yeah. So Mitch, you had a hot take that you want us to debate here. What's yeah. your hot take and defend your position on? All right, so I turned it. I turned the heat down a little bit because I checked the receiving leaders last year, and I think the original one was eh, a little bit too much. Um, I was just throwing something random out there, but I think a more doable one is I think Amon Ra St. Brown will get to 1,200 yards uh, this coming year, and I don't think that's too bad considering the likes of Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett getting – like 1161, 1175. I think with with him, I mean, he almost had a thousand last year as a rookie. Second year of the program, I think he'll be better. And with getting a guy like DJ Chark, um, and if Khalif Raymond can produce what he did last year, I think those are two guys to get him some help and maybe draw a little bit more coverage away from him. Um, dude's super talented, and I, I think he could definitely get 1,200 yards. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you moved it to, I was going to fight you on 1500, but you moved it to 12 and I can't necessarily argue with 12. Um, 1200 seems far more reasonable to me than 1500 did. Um, but I guess I will, I guess I'll one up the, the stat prediction there or the, the hot take there. And I'll say that 
I'm not going to focus on his yards. Um, I got to pull up his stats again. So give me just one moment here, but he had five. T- I say uh, Amon Ross St. Brown has 12 touchdowns next season. I think he more than doubles his touchdown number. Um, I think Detroit is going to find newer ways to utilize him um, in, I don't know if like in a Debo Samuel type role, but newer ways to utilize his speed, his ability to get open, getting him into the slot. Part of that goes to DJ shark. But I think, I think he becomes maybe less uh, yard focused as he was kind of needed to be last year and maybe a little bit more touchdown focused. No, I don't hate that uh, hot take at all. I think it makes sense. Um, unless like a TG Hawkinson takes up on that next step and becomes like a red zone weapon or DeAndre Swift becomes a better running back and takes away some touchdown opportunities. I do think Jared Goff might be focused on Amon Ross St. Brown to be his, his guy. So. I'm going to disagree with both of you. I don't think either of those things happen. Um, I don't think he hits 12,000 yards, 1200 yards. I don't think he hits 12 touchdowns. Um, 1200. Well, I don't yards. think he hits 12,000 yards. <laughs> oh no, he won't. No, uh, 1200 <laughs> yards. I don't think he hits 1200 yards and it goes to TJ Hawkinson. Didn't play a chunk of the season last year. Um, and then you're also bringing in, uh, you had Reynolds who played, uh, had like 500 yards. Um, and I, I expect him to go a little bit up. We agree that either Swift or Jamal Williams will, like probably carry a heavier load this season than they did last season, um, which I think goes into it as well. Um, And I think that the defense hopefully playing a lot better means that you're playing less from behind, which means less throwing the ball too, um, which I think that also play a role into it. Um, But then you also bring in DJ Chark, Jamison Williams, and the tight end from Virginia tech. Those are three other players that are now, they have the the ball is now going to as well. Um, because you're you're expecting him to get a seven touchdown increase from last season, um, and he had four of his five touchdowns in the last four weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had uh, are expecting him to get. He also had three hundred of his nine hundred yards in the last three weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like so like those are kinds of things. We, we if we look at his progression towards the end of the season and if he keeps that up, I'll say yes. But looking at all of the extenuating circumstances around it, I think that it's going to be it's not likely. I still think he'll probably break a thousand yards receiving. Um, and I think that he'll probably be the leading re- uh, touchdown receiver for this team. Um, but because the I think the game style is going to go towards a little different way, and you have other players that are coming in. Um, I think that that kind of that the there's there's less there's less of him having to be the number one option, um, which I think he can thrive in, but that doesn't mean that he's going to succeed in it. Um, but I mean, I I would love for him to do that because it because even already in his first year, he's already better than his brother, and that's not really hard to do. Skyler with the shade. Um, okay, I'm sorry, but if you're going to pick between Amon Sa- Amon Ross and Brown and Ekonomia St. <laughs> Brown, which one are you picking? You're picking Amon Ross and Brown every single time. No, you're 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 very correct on that. Um, no, Let's so, the Bears. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that is yeah, it is funny that they've stayed in the NFC North exclusively. Um, so that is that's our that's our. Uh, uh, primary episode here, uh, gentlemen. Do you have uh, heroes and putzes that you wanted to go over, or do we have none prepared? That's yeah, it. I got some. You got some. All right, I mention it. Yeah. All right. So for my hero, uh, this 
for tonight's uh it goes out to the Yankees and the Rays, which it feels weird to pick an MLB as a general or a team as a hero. Um but tonight, instead of doing game coverage, they'll be using their channels to offer facts about the impacts of gun violence. Um, and I, huge props for them, especially, you know, given what's happened in, what, the past 12 days uh, between Buffalo and what just happened in Texas. Uh, I give people. them, yeah, I give them amazing props, uh, you know, to instead of showing their game and getting money to show facts and, make a true difference unlike some people who have the power to make a change don't do it so i give the props to the yankees and the rays for doing that it's incredible uh following on the same theme my hero goes out to steve kerr um before game four he gave out an impassioned plea for some kind of gun uh just gun 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 reform um uh, he didn't make any policy changes. He didn't request anything. He just kind of said enough's enough. And he, he said, I think what we're all thinking, he's tired of the moments of silences. He's tired of the thoughts and prayers. He wants actual structured change. Um, also shout out to Miami Heat before game five yesterday, uh, putting, uh, giving a moment silence and then asking and then getting phone numbers to be able to contact uh yeah. your your local your state senator um which i thought was awesome for miami heat to do that uh that like the like i, I agree with everything that's been said enough's enough um retired and for those of you that think that steve kerr doesn't have anything to say about this his dad was killed um by a shooter um in the 90s so like this is something that's that hits pretty close to Steve Kerr um, and for him to be able to go out and still talk about these kinds of things um, and to make it as an impassioned plea as he did um, and to kind of put basketball aside um, to talk about that. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really, I, I applaud him for that. Cause again, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I think we're all kind of getting tired of the same old narrative. And I think we all kind of want some kind of change here and I hope change does come. Um, I am hopeful, um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, my hero is just the families of those um, impacted by, by gun violence here. I mean, we, we talked about what happened in Buffalo in a previous episode. Um, unfortunately we didn't touch on um you know, what happened in California at the, the, uh, at the church shooting that happened recently there. Um, and then, you know, for this to happen in Texas, I mean, me and Mitch were in our freshman year of high school when the Newtown shooting happened. And that was 10 years ago, as, as 10 years ago, like this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's, it's hard to think that anything is going to change, but it will change if you put in the effort um, reach out to your local, um, politicians, uh, that's at every level, um, municipality, county, state, federal, the whole nine yards, reach out to everybody, um, vote, make sure you get your friends to vote. I don't, I don't give a shit what people vote for as long as people are voting. Like that's, that's it. You know, that's what democracy is. Um, it's the people's voice and you have one and your vote counts it does matter regardless of what state you live in um and so i i please genuinely plead uh with you guys to vote 
because nothing's going to change if guys like Dr. Oz are elected uh, to to the Senate. Um, and nothing's going to change unless we, the people, are the ones proactive uh, with that change. But uh, my heart uh, deeply and genuinely goes out to, to those, those impacted by what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, nobody should have to should have to go through that. Um, and then my putts for the segment um, is the police department down there. Um, you stupid sons of bitches got those kids killed. And that's, that's his, I mean, they, they sat outside for 30 to 45 minutes, allowing the shooter um, in the building and a locked door. Um, and 17 kids and two people are dead because of it. So that's my putts. Uh, my putts goes out to uh, the University of Cal's women's swim coach, uh, Terry McKeever. Um, it just got found out like uh, two days ago that uh, she's being accused of being verbally abusive to her team. And this is like for years now. Um, you know, it's gotten to the point where at least six uh, swimmers under her had made plans to kill themselves or become suicidal and depression, obviously. Um, I just, you know, as, as someone who knows what's that like, and I think we all, and we all do, um, for a coach like that in that position to make somebody do that, uh, it's just a horrible thing. I think she definitely deserves to lose her job. Um, that's not what you're supposed to do as a coach. Um, it's just really heartbreaking that, um, you know, it's only coming out just now because from the article, it says it's been going on for years. That's it hadn't come sooner. I'm just it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, another thing just that I've always been told my entire life, um, if you are upset with politics, if you're upset with other things that are happening, um, vote. And if you don't vote, then you really don't have a right to complain. Um, because you chose not to use your voice. Um, so use your voice. Um, and then, you know, turning it a little bit lighthearted, because I couldn't find a depressing putts for this segment. I'm going <laughs> to go with the more uplifting putts. Um, and my putts are, are my two co-hosts here. Um, because oh, no. I, I, I sent them, I sent them a tweet from PFF College that said, rank these quarterbacks. And had Tyler Van Dyke, Caleb Williams, Keaton Slovis, Sam Hartman, Will Levis, and Brandon Armstrong. Um, and I will quote what they said. Brady, Hartman, Williams, 50 feet of crap, Slovis, 100 feet of crap, the others. Um, uh, Mitch, Caleb Williams, Levis, Hartman, Van Dyke, Brendan Armstrong, and Keaton Slovis. Uh, first of all, how dare you rate William? No, his name isn't William. What is it? Brendan Armstrong. That fucking low. This guy is a great quarterback. Not, not a great. Good I don't quarterback. even know his name. Brendan Armstrong. His name is Brendan Armstrong. You said I'm William like, Armstrong, oh, okay, so. No, no, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be completely My number honest. one quarterback is Lance Armstrong coming out of Virginia. Uh. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, mine, mine wasn't him. It was Caleb Williams. But I am going to be honest. I am getting ready to watch Critical Role, and they have Brennan, Brennan, uh, Lee, Lee Mulligan, uh, hell yeah. Mulligan on there, and I got names mixed up in my head. Mm, but sure Brennan Armstrong. I have to list some of this guy's this guy's accomplishments from last season. Sixty-five or 65% uh, throwing four thousand four hundred and forty-nine yards, uh, averaged eight yards, eight point nine yards per completion, thirty-one touchdowns, only ten interceptions. Um, 
he had a QBR rating of 156.4. Um, he also ran for nine touchdowns. So the guy had 40 touchdowns total last season for a Virginia team that really, really wasn't the best. Um, like the guy gave it his all. Uh, and for my two co-hosts to slander this man and say that he is he is worse. He is worse than the likes of Will Levis and Tyler Van Dyke. How dare you two? How dare you two? And sure, for Brady, you know what? Even... You can you can flip you can flip wherever I put Armstrong and wherever I put wherever I you put didn't the, even, the other dude. You didn't even put it. You just said a hundred feet of crap. You didn't even you didn't even bother it with All right, him. then then yeah, he's somewhere within that hundred feet of crap. <laughs> so so watch it all. This is my hot take. This is my hot take. I, I truly believe Brennan Armstrong will be, if not in the race for the Unitas uh, Golden Arm Award um, and the Davy O'Brien Award, I honestly think that he could be a Heisman contender this season. Um, All right, we'll revisit well, this December then. We will, we will, and I can. That is a be... hot take. I can't wait till he tears yep. his ACL week one. <laughs> right, right. Completely and totally fair. You don't Completely get the benefit of the doubt, though. If he no, tears his no. ACL, it still counts against you. In my no, defense, I... I don't think any of them are actually good quarterbacks. <laughs> you don't think Caleb Williams is a good quarterback? No, I don't. Really? No, I don't. All right, we'll revisit this in December. We'll revisit this in December. Let's go. We'll I... see. We'll, we will list those six. Brady, you have to give me your actual rankings and not just Hartman Williams. Because Mitch at least gave me a, an actual ranking, and we'll see who yeah. is the closest to who actually had better quarterbacks, and we'll figure out a system of how to rank it in terms of yeah. wins, touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we we go we'll go off PFF. We'll just use PFF as like who is the highest graded quarterback. So even if even if Armstrong only plays three games and tears his ACL, if his PFF grade is still higher than the others, it counts. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll count if those three games are against like UT Chattanooga. And Western Carolina and and Mississippi Valley State, you know, like hey, hey, I I get you know Alabama gets to use those, so why can't Virginia? Ah, um, because Alabama wins national championships. Virginia Virginia can barely win the Commonwealth. But 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 I but I don't care. I don't care. I honestly think Brandon Armstrong is a great quarterback. Um, and we'll do and could we visit? We will. I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's revisit it because I don't think any of us predicted that Kenny Pickett would be as good of a quarterback as he was this season. I mean, I definitely think a part or of it is Sam, that nobody, is that nobody predicted. Yeah, no, I did. Um, I don't think any or of Sam. us predicted that he'd get the light type of production out of guys like Jordan Addison as he, no, as he did last true, season. true, but I don't. But. Like, I can say none of us thought the Sam Hartman was going to be good. None of us thought the Kenny Pickett was going to be good or to the levels in which they were good. Um, none of us, like, I, I don't think that, like, like again, we've been wrong about quarterbacks before. We've been horribly wrong about quarterbacks before on this podcast. I don't think I ever have been. Um, but that's our episode, everybody. Um, we, <laughs> we appreciate... Uh, all y'all for tuning in. We will revisit our college football scene um, pretty damn soon here. We are um, exact or tomorrow. We will be three months away from Nebraska Northwestern um, kicking off in Dublin. In Dublin. Um, so the Irish get to watch football before the rest of us. Those sneaky bastards. Um, but uh, we have the uh, rest of the college football season uh, to get uh, ready for here. We've got some great matchups to kick the season off. Um, Jesus, dude, calm down. Um, 
and uh, and we're excited to to break that down for you. Uh, with the NBA, uh, the Western Conference Finals may be settled in the next couple of uh, hours here, uh, with the Warriors on top three games to one. Boston leads three games to two in their series against the Heat. Game six, uh, possible series clinching would be tomorrow. Uh, Celtics looking to go to their first um, NBA Finals since 2010, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking for their uh, second NBA Finals win since 1986. Um, so for a storied franchise, we bit of a championship drought there, um, but we'll see if the youngins can do it or if Jimmy Butler and the Miami heat have a last gasp in them um, as, and then we will uh, continue our NFL team previews. Uh, we have the Houston Texans text, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Your number two team, my number two team. We'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so we appreciate everybody for tuning in, follow us on everything, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Spotify, uh, listen, uh, email us your guys' thoughts for string SP at gmail.com. Um, and please, uh, remember to follow the show, uh, and, uh, tell all your friends about it. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a lovely night.